Hi everyone, my name is Yosef Siegel, and welcome back to the Amem Torah Podcast. This week we have a special Dvar Torah for Purim. There will be no Dvar Torah for this week's Parsha, Parsha's Kisisa, so I would encourage you to go to my blog, oldideasforthemodernmind.blogspot.com, to, to find written Divrei Torah for Parsha's Kisisa. And I would also encourage you to find uh, last year's podcast on hashkafahandbook.com or on iTunes under the Amem Torah Podcast. But without further ado, here's this week's podcast of the Torah for Purim. So when it comes to Purim, it's sometimes hard to sit and think about the fundamental ideas of uh, what we are supposed to do in terms of spiritual growth on Purim. Uh, between the fact that, for the most part, it seems like a normal day, since unlike Shabbos or other Yom Tovim, uh, you are allowed to do Malacha on Purim. Uh, between the fact that it is a hectic day, a uh, frenetic pace, uh, a big party, uh, and it's all packed into this one day, uh, the fundamental aspects of spiritual growth on Purim are often lost in the shuffle. And what I want to do uh, is focus on what I feel is one of the most fundamental ideas of the entire uh, day, the entire yuntiv of Purim. So the Gemara Megillah on Daf Tes Zion uh, tells the story of when Haman came to pick up Mordechai for the parade. So as we know, Haman came to Ahasuerus planning on asking him that if he could kill Mordechai, and he comes out having to be the one to lead Mordechai uh, in a parade around the entire city of Shushan. So Haman goes to the base Medrash to pick Mordechai up. And while he's there, he does what every normal person does, of course. He asks them what they were learning. And since it was Pesach, they were learning the halachos of the Karban Omer. This was a barley offering, uh, which was brought on the second day of Pesach. And uh, as part of it, they were learning the halachos of the flour of the kmitzah, which was brought as the carbon mencha. And this is really, this is just, the kmitzah flour is, is just three fingers full. It's, it's a very little bit of flour. And when Haman learned that these were the halachos that, he, that they were learning, he says, uh, your handful of flour has overpowered my 10,000 pieces of silver. Haman had offered Ahasuerus uh, 10,000 pieces of silver as a bribe to allow him to kill the Jews. And once he heard that they were learning these halachos, and that he had, and that he saw that Mordechai was on the way up, that he was now leading Mordechai to uh, to be uh, part of this parade, the head of this parade, he knew from that point that he had absolutely no chance of defeating the Jewish people, and as it was, uh, he was killed the very next day. So the Medrash picks up on this story, and it says that it was the merit of the mitzvah of the Omer, which provided the salvation for the Jews on Purim. What in the world? Where did this connection come from between the carbon omer and the, and the story of Purim? And what is the, the great schus, the great merit found in the mitzvah of omer that could provide such a salvation? So Rav Dessler in the Michta of Melio uh, expounds on this idea. And he says that when you think about all the work that you put in just to survive, just to stay alive, you understand right away how difficult it is. We work very hard to bring home money for food, and then even just to prepare the food uh, itself is not easy. From the time that you have to pick it up at the store till you bring it home, it's, it's, it's easier nowadays than it used to be, um, but it's still very difficult. But then we look around at nature, and we think everything is so simple and so easy. You know, in many instances, without people even doing anything, food comes up from the ground. 
the sun rises and sets, right? There's no need for electricity. Um, and there's no need, the, the, the earth doesn't need to do laundry. Every so often it rains and the air is cleaned up and the ground is cleaned up and everything's back to normal. So we compare our work to what's done in nature and nature just seems pretty straightforward and simple and we're putting in all the effort. And the reality is that that's not true at all. Even if we don't do anything, food doesn't just sprout out from the ground. The soil needs to be the right soil. You need plenty of rain. You need plenty of sunlight. And while these things do happen as a part of nature, that doesn't mean there's no effort behind this. Because the reality is that Hashem is behind every single step of this process. But since we've come to think of it as a quote-unquote natural occurrence, obviously it's still natural, but natural meaning that it just happens on its own without any effort, we don't see the miracle behind it. And barley is a good representative of this. It's a grain which is very cheap. Um, it's, it's, for the most part, not used for uh, human consumption. And I don't know how it is nowadays, but in those days, in the times of Chazal, they say very clearly that, that barley was really just you know, something which they, they picked whenever you know, it was around. It wasn't something that people were necessarily invested in. But in reality, even something as simple as barley is from the greatest of Hashem's miracles. It is our job to, to observe nature and understand how all of it really is supernatural. There's no such thing as just natural occurrences. It's all supernatural. And that's the avoda of Purim. If you looked at the entire story of Purim from an objective view, every aspect of it is, is completely natural. Vashti makes Ahasuerus upset, so he kills her, and he gets a new wife. Which wife is he going to pick? The most beautiful woman he can find. So that happens to be Esther. Esther also happens to be related to the Galdolador, Mordechai, who then happens, because he's hanging out uh, at the palace, so he can keep, uh, keep an eye on her, um, he happens to overhear a plot to assassinate the king. Years later, the king remembers that he should repay Mordechai, and uh, he gives him this parade and eventually gives him tremendous influence. While at the same time this whole thing is going on, the king's trusted advisor, Haman, rises through the ranks of government and becomes second in command. It's something that happens every day. He decides to kill the Jews, and what happens? His plans are foiled when he finds out that the queen herself is Jewish. So, obviously, the king is furious, and he immediately kills him, which at the same time leads to the uh, saving of the Jews. This is just a huge coincidence. The circumstances just all lined up exactly how it was, and it's just the biggest coincidence you'll ever find. And that seems crazy that you could have such a, such a set of coincidences, but if you don't have the proper perspective, if you don't look at the world uh, through the eyes of that everything happens as a result of Hashem's actions, then that's exactly how this story is going to be seen. A tremendous coincidence. So it's our job on Purim to look at the world and understand how everything whether it be the political interactions between the king and his advisors or the regular people, or in nature, how the plants rise from the ground and the sun sets every day. Everything about it is a miracle. There's nothing simple or natural about it. It's all significant, and it's all part of Hashem's plan. Uh, and by the way, the day Haman was killed was the second day of Pesach, the same day we brought the carbon omer in the base of Mikdash. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. For any questions, comments, or to subscribe to the email newsletter, please email me at amemtorah at gmail.com. That's A-I-M-E-M-T-O-R-A-H at gmail.com. The email newsletter will give you updates for Amem Torah, as well as the written version of the Zvar Torah in your inbox, along with an MP3 download of this podcast.
The podcast is also available on iTunes. Just search for the AMM Torah podcast or my name, Yosef Siegel. Please check out the blog itself, oldideasforthemodernmind.blogspot.com, where you can get the written version of this week's Dvar Torah, as well as the archived versions of the previous eight years of AMM Torah Divrei Torah. Please check out my website, hashkafahandbook.com, where this podcast is hosted, and learn more about my book, Reality Check, A Handbook of Hashkafa. And finally, please check us out on social media. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash amemtorah, and on Twitter, Twitter handle at amemtorah. That's A-I-M-E-M-T-O-R-A-H. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening, and have a great job.